This is the Non-Microwave Truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Thanks to all those who have hit the five star, left a review, greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't done it and you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and do that. One of the reasons I enjoy my job so much is because of the people that I get to interact with every day, especially the ladies in the office, because we have some good conversations, some funny conversations. And I was telling them that I was doing this series on sex. And one of the first world problem questions that I wanted to do was, where in the world did go take a cold shower when you get aroused come from? Like, boy, go take a cold shower. And none of us really knew. But someone did refer to the Seinfeld episode where George claimed that he got out of the pool and it was really, really cold. And I'll just leave it at that. But with this discussion, we started Googling, you know, where did cold showers come from and why did they say take a cold shower is supposed to help if you have an arousal? And then we even started coming across something called saltpeter. That was something they did in the 1800s when men would go to war. They said they would put saltpeter in their food to keep them from getting aroused and being able to withstand the time of being away from their wives. But saltpeter is I had never heard of it. Like, have you ever heard of saltpeter? So the first world problem question is, where did cold showers come from? And what do parents tell their kids nowadays? I feel like half of them just give their kids condoms and tell them to be safe or put their daughters on birth control. But as a Christian, that's not the answer. Or I should say, it's not the best answer. So our first world problem question today is, where did this idea to take a cold shower to help if you get aroused come from? And what do parents now try to encourage or tell their kids to do to fight off that temptation? And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. This is our three part series titled SEX, and you are listening to part two, which we're going to look at today. I shouldn't say look at. We're going to focus and discuss porn, pornography. And just to give you a little background knowledge, pornography, it derives from the Greek word of pornographos and simply means the writing of prostitutes. And originally it was describing prostitutes and their line of work. But later it got switched to referring to the freaky deaky writings and pictures, you know, things intended to arouse sexual desire. Shout out to Pastor Shoopy for breaking that down for us. And something I want to point out is that men usually have more things from a visual standpoint that get them aroused. Women, this is one of God's design in us men that you probably can't relate to, but you just have to take my word for it. And I'm not saying that women can't get aroused from a visual standpoint, but I'm saying that men are just more visual than women. Now, what are we going to classify as porn? I'm talking about sexual pictures, videos, literature. So this concludes sexting, phone sex, all that type of stuff. And from a visual standpoint, this can range from women in bikinis and lingerie to videos and pictures of sexual actions or flat out people having sex and doing it nasty. Now, the first thing we have to discuss is, is porn even wrong? And believe it or not, there are no specific passages that flat out use the word pornography or porn, but God definitely has something to say about it. 
Let's look at Matthew 5, verse 28. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perished than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Adultery is wrong in God's eyesight. Or how about Ephesians 5 verse 3? But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So God gives us our answer. And just in case you didn't catch it, he talked about some thinking. He's talked about some looking and porn involves both of those. He talked about cutting out your eye just to make sure you aren't sinning and creating that wedge in that relationship that you have with him. And man, in our culture, porn is like it's, it's everywhere. It is super easy to attain. And you might not even realize how much you see it because it's everywhere. Like our culture is super slick at microwaving it and showing you something that might not be two people flat out having sex, but it's something sexual or something that your eyes can lead to lusting. And this could be from TV to the shows that we watch to movies to our computer, how many ads or how many things pop up to our phone, social media. Like it's people I had to stop following because they stuff was like soft porn and everything. It's like, dude, why do you have these half naked women in bikinis all on your story? Or some people on Twitter like, bruh, you liking this makes it pop up and everybody can see that you like this. And I was popping up on my feet. So you got to silence some certain things. But it's a lot of stuff out there between our phones, television and the Internet that is fueled on getting us to getting us to be a part of the porn community and normalizing the things that we see because it's so prevalent. Porn is a billion dollar industry. Like any and everyone can use porn. Christians too, people in the church. And it's so easy to justify it by saying, well, at least I'm not actually having sex or I'm not actually cheating. It's not actually hurting anyone. But man, let me give you some random stats that I found when researching for this episode. This is from WebRoot. Every second, around 28,000 people are watching pornography on the internet. $3,000 is being spent every second on pornography on the internet. 372 people right now, this very second, are typing in the word adult in the search engine. Every day, it says every day, 37 porn videos are created in the United States. 2.5 billion emails containing porn are sent or received. 68 million searches related to pornography. That's 25% of all the searches. About 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. And have you ever met someone that you see that they're addicted, but they're like, I could stop if I wanted to. I just don't want to or see the point. Well, by the end of this episode, you should see the point on why you should stop. 40 million Americans regularly visit porn sites. 35% of all internet downloads are related to porn. This is an interesting one. 34% of internet users have experienced unwanted exposure to porn content through ads, pop-ups, links, emails, people trying to trick you. And I found this interesting too. One third of porn viewers are women. So it's not just all men. 
Now, this is not an episode just for you to look at people and to judge and be like, I'm not going to shake his hand. He looks like he watches porn and, you know. No, this is an episode to one, check ourselves and two, be there for your loved ones as support because this is a silent pandemic sweeping through our world. Now, some, they don't believe that porn is bad or they need to be conscious of what they are allowing themselves to see. But I'm going to give you six reasons on why it is so serious. The first reason you stop seeing people as people like you don't see someone as a child of God anymore. You start to dehumanize people when you watch porn. It's very hard to view them as a son or daughter or a brother or sister. Like, can you imagine someone watching porn and be like, oh, my mama pulled some type of move right there or. A woman watching and being like, look at my son. If you saw someone that you loved in a pornography, you would be mortified. You really forget or start to miss the fact that this person has a soul. They become merely an object or a thing. And it really distorts your vision as viewing them as a a person, especially a person with a soul, especially a person who is a child of God, a brother or sister of Christ for you. My second point is that it's not just porn. Usually there's going to be some type of sex trafficking involved with it, um, kidnapping that could possibly be involved, someone being forced, someone being blackmailed, someone who has been hurt to the point and abused that sex is nothing to them. Like you have to know that something is missing or and something isn't right. My third reason is that it's acting. It's not actually real. And what I mean by that is. Do you really think that person that you're watching is enjoying it? Do you really think that that's a form of love? And even more so, it creates an unrealistic expectation. Like it creates a thirst that can't be quenched. Like people think that porn is supposed to teach them how to have sex. When in reality, your spouse is supposed to be the person to to explore with and to have fun with learning each other and have sex best for you. If you have expectations created by pornography, you might think it's okay to do some things that 100% aren't okay to do with your spouse. Like you might try to act a certain way or think you should look a certain way based off porn. And like I said, that's not real. A lot of that stuff is going to be getting edited and yeah, it's just not real. Or on the opposite end, let's say you're even watching a movie with a bunch of different sex scenes in there and you start to think that that love scene you saw is how sex is supposed to be. Or when you get in that situation, you think like, oh, this is this is what happened in the movie. I think it's time for us to have sex. But yeah, you will definitely have unrealistic expectations and expectations that will hurt and harm your intimacy with your spouse and mess with your mental in a negative way. The fourth reason on why porn is dangerous and so serious is because God is not shaping your desires. Pornography is. The devil is. And I know a lot of people, a lot of us can justify by saying, man, I have a high sex drive. Like my body needs it. Like I just need a quick one. But you start training your body to be a quick one. You're training your mind to always want to be stimulated that way. It's kind of like drugs and, and having a high. It could be straight interesting and intriguing where some people get into that rabbit hole of pornography. 
And, but that's like a new high because then all of a sudden you got to try to keep your interest. And then you get into a rabbit hole of exploring. Like no one starts off and says, I want to watch child pornography. I, I think that's that's a pretty safe guess, right? But they click this, they watch that. And then all of a sudden that becomes, that becomes, oh, like you've seen that before. And now it's like, how about this? Or how about that? I, I'm just curious about this. Why? Why are you so curious? Because you've unleashed a wild animal or you've invited a demon into your life. And when you're not aroused or you're not high from porn, you can start to become depressed. Like when you're not getting nudes sent to you, when you're not sexting with someone, all of a sudden you're like, this is boring. What's next? And you base your whole sexuality off of the desires that porn has created for you. And the reason I said that porn is all of a sudden shaping your desires is because you easily become a slave to it. James 1 verse 14 and 15 tells us a man is tempted to do wrong when he lets himself be led by what his bad thoughts tell him to do. When he does what his bad thoughts tell him to do, he sins. When sin completes his work, it brings death. And what happens when your desires are now shaped by porn and this hypersexuality of seeing and needing this consistently? This is our fifth point. It becomes very time consuming. And this is one of the dangers. And when researching this, it talked about a lot of people don't sit there and watch three, four hours of porn in one sitting. It's actually like 20 minute increments that someone will watch porn. When I was researching it, they called it like a coffee break. Like people might be working. Then all of a sudden for 20 minutes, they're scrolling on their phone. They're checking their email that has some porn. They're doing something to get that quick stimulation. And before you know it, They've had how many how many glasses of coffee do you have a day? Hmm? That's how many times they're watching porn in a day. And no, I don't drink coffee. And if any of the things I've said apply to you, know that you are not the only one. Porn is a trap that really tries to attack each and every one of us. And I just got to remind you that we all can be enslaved by this, especially when we're spending so much time on it like this. Second Peter 2 verse 10 says, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For what overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. I spoke to our high school athletes on the basketball team about this and the topic of porn. And when looking at this, it was a famous athlete who talked about just being addicted to it. And he was always late for the bus or for the plane. And a lot of times they thought he was just he was just a late person. But really, he was so addicted to porn that he was usually on his phone watching one more video. And you know when you become a professional athlete, you start getting fined for being late. So this is how you know how serious it can get. And you can just Google famous people that have got addicted to porn and how it did or it almost destroyed their lives and they had to go through tons and tons of therapy. And just think about that. You're spending money on it. Then you usually have to lie to someone. Like just think about this. Someone at work ask you, what did you do with your extra hour off? Oh, I just watched some porn for about an hour and masturbated. What about you? <laughs> like this is not happening. It is without a doubt time consuming and you got to do some lying and some hiding. And not to make fun of this at all, but you really could be using your time more wisely, being more productive instead of decreasing. I think you, you decrease your ability to focus. And the last reason it is so dangerous 
and something that should be taken so serious is because we cheat our spouse out of intimacy. It doesn't matter if you're single or if you're actually in a marriage. If you are single, you cheat your future spouse out of intimacy. And if you are married, you're definitely cheating your spouse out of intimacy right then and there. And or you are misusing your body and mind. Now, if you are married, especially and you're turning to porn, you are trying to escape some problems that should be addressed. Maybe you feel like you're not getting enough and those conversations definitely need to be had. And guess what? Counseling is not the devil. A lot more couples should definitely do it. And it's definitely better to go before everything blows up. I think most times couples think, well, we're doing pretty good or we're okay. It could be better and we got some things to work on. Then you, what's wrong with going to counseling? Most of the times people want to wait for everything to blow up. And then it's like, it's too late. You should have came a long time ago. And the example I'll give you is routine checkups with the dentist are better than going to the dentist when you got a full blown toothache because you probably got to pull the tooth out now. And I know some people are thinking, well, what if you watch porn with your spouse? Well, if you watch it with your spouse or you don't watch it with your spouse, it is going to make you compare. And porn allows for someone else to be in the bedroom. And that is not God's design at all. Instead of watching porn together, you could be actually having sex and appreciating each other and learning each other's body and desires and wants and battling to please the other person. Now, in this episode of SEX Part 2, we can't address porn without talking about masturbation. Masturbating to videos, pictures, sexting, phone sex, that's wrong based off of God's word. But is there ever an okay time to masturbate? Like, let's say you're actually married and you channel and you start thinking about your spouse. Would would that then be okay? Um, I don't know. I don't think there's a real answer. But the question is, why aren't you getting it on with your spouse then? Or what about mindless masturbation? And mindless masturbation would be like, you're not masturbating to anything. Like there are no pictures, no videos, no books, nothing. And I say that's pretty hard to do because our minds can be like movie theaters and play things inside our head and recall certain things. But let's say it's possible. You think of absolutely nothing. And I guess you're just chasing the feeling. It's like, how can you think of something? But anyways, I won't say it's right, but I won't say it's wrong. What I will say is there are definitely some dangers with this. And the first one I just can't get over is like, what are you really thinking or doing this to? Like, are you lying to yourself? Because if you're lying to yourself, that's a major problem in our world. If you are mindlessly masturbating and not addressing issues that should be taken to God or be taken to your spouse as a vessel of God through this, then that's definitely a danger. I think this type of thing can trigger your body to want more. And if you were doing this by yourself, you got this reward by yourself. So why wouldn't you just stay by yourself and, and do it again? And you can become addicted. And it definitely takes out your drive to serve. It makes it easy to not want to address certain issues or problems or let them linger around because you're like, I can do this. I can do this by myself then. And what I mean by this is that my wife and I have probably had two arguments in our marriage. But I remember this one vividly because I remember I had just went in another room to pray I came into our room and I was ready to have sex. And I made this clear. 
And in my mind, she gave me a bunch of random and unnecessary points. So I'm like, all right, I got something on my mind we should talk about too then. But she's like, I don't want to talk about that. So I should have just stopped and talked about it another day or or whatever. But I was like, no, we're going to talk about it now. And we end up getting into an argument. I end up leaving the room. And in that moment, I got to feeling sorry for myself. And it was like, all you wanted to do was have sex with your wife. You know what? You should just go ahead and masturbate. And if I would have done that, I am confident it would have allowed me to be way more stubborn and not address the problems or the issues that needed to be addressed. It would have made it a lot easier for me to isolate myself. And the world would have told me that I was easily justified to do this because I wasn't actually physically going out and cheating. And if I didn't watch porn, a lot of Christians probably would have been like, hey, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. But it still would have been wrong. And I say that because there's a major danger in developing a sexuality that is disconnected from the person that you will share it with. That would not have been honoring God with my body in that moment. Now, on this episode of SEX Part 2, I got another really good question for you. What if the porn that you get is from your spouse? So we're talking about what if your spouse is the one sending you nudes or your spouse is the one sending you videos? And I asked a bunch of pastors about this. Like, is this okay? And they were all very hesitant to say, yeah, awesome. Do that. That's the way to do it. Most were like, why would you why would you want to do that? And it's like, well, to spice things up, to build anticipation, to show your spouse what you're working with. Or this is one I thought was legit. What if you are in the military and you won't be able to see your spouse for months or weeks or you'll be gone for an extended time on business? And the passage that kind of jumped out to me was 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And I felt like none of the pastors could say that it was flat out wrong. And it kind of fell into this category of permissible, but not beneficial. The same way porn can have a negative effect that still applies. And the idea of those pictures staying private, a lot of them were like, that is absolutely ridiculous. They were all like, it's too risque, too risque. And I was just thinking like, why do y'all all all think that people are going to try to break into your Apple Cloud, iCloud and see you and your wife having sex or your wife's pictures? And I'm just like, y'all aren't famous, but I get it, especially coming from pastors. And one of them said this. He said, you have the real thing right before you every day. He said, I would take the real thing over a picture anytime. And that is definitely a man worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel you, brother. And I talked about that situation or the argument with my wife. Wouldn't it have been easy to justify masturbating to her pictures? Like, don't you think that would have encouraged me to isolate myself even more or to create thoughts of resentment? Like, I don't really need her. I can get the job done myself. And some of you might be like, CL, you're overreacting. But doesn't it start small like that usually? And like I told you, all of them were really concerned about the possible leakage or hacking of their pictures or videos. And one of them went into a little more detail, though. He said it's unwise in the digital world to put that out there when it could be hacked and lost. And he thought about his children. Like, just think about that. Everything with Apple is linked together. And imagine your kid is playing on your iPad and one of their friends is right next to him and boom, 
Dad, why is mom naked and laying on the bed like this? Or if your kid caught one of your homemade videos. Or what if someone is like right next to you and imagine getting a booty butt naked picture of your wife and your friend is right there behind you and it's like, dang, bro, who is that? You're like, that's my wife. Or if they're like, ugh, what's that? Either way, it's all bad. Now, one pastor, he said this, and I thought it was a very good point, a good reminder for all of us. He said, the point of sex is not just to incite lust in your spouse. And that seems to lean really heavily on desire and lust instead of expression of love. You want to desire your spouse and that's good, but you don't want to tip the pendulum too far in one direction away from true love. Reminder, sex not only is designed to need someone of the opposite sex for the perfect fit, Sex is a gift from our God to husbands and wives. And I hope you don't leave this episode feeling guilty, ashamed, or embarrassed because porn is something all of us are exposed to, to an extent. And even more importantly, I think we have to keep it real with ourselves. The next episode, we're going to look at how to flee from these things, but I don't want to just leave you hanging in the meantime. If you know porn is something you struggle with, when I was researching this, Covenant Eyes and Safe Eyes are two apps that seem to be apps that are geared to helping you fight that temptation. So I would suggest checking those out. And a closing thought for us when it comes to thinking about why we don't want porn to be a vice in our life comes from Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Porn is the opposite of these things, and it wants us to be selfish. It wants us to dehumanize others. It wants to shape our desires and captivate each and every one of our thoughts. But because of God's grace, we can rest assured and know this is an ongoing battle that he's already died and won the victory for. And this is the non-microwave truth. This was the second episode in our three-part series of SEX. Next week, we'll be looking at how to overcome these temptations and also how to handle our failures and successes when fighting these sexual temptations. Yeah, tune in next week. Peace punch, Captain Crunch, to know the drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.